Hi Parul, this is Nadia from zenonco.io and Love Heals Cancer. We guide cancer patients on adopting an integrative oncological treatment approach. We help them find the balance between mainstream treatment, complementary treatment and medical treatment approaches. We help patients with our team of oncologists, lab experts, nutritionists and other healthcare professionals so that we can improve the treatment outcome for the patient. And through this, as part of our helping patients, we also help in connecting patients with other cancer warriors or thrivers like yourself here today, you know, who can share inspirational stories, answer queries when other people know that they have others and when they see others who have gone through such a similar story, they know that they are not alone. That is our intention here today. Today we have Parul Banka, who is going to be talking to us, her very inspirational story, and I can't wait to hear her. Over to you, Parul. Thank you, Nadia. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have you, ma'am. First of all, it's a big honor for me to be talking to you, to be spending time with you. You taking such an effort to come talk to us from your busy schedule, that itself is a very big thing for us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Right. So let's listen to your story, shall we? Can we start? Yes. Yes. So what's my story? <laughs> I would say I'm somebody who has had a pretty normal life. I was born and grew up in India. And I had a normal life in the sense that I did normal things that normal people do. I went to school, went to college, went to university, joined the corporate world, worked hard for performance ratings, bonuses, promotions, travel the world, spend time with the family. In short, a pretty normal and regular life. It was a good life that I loved. And that's all there was to my life. Until the week of my 34th birthday, when I was diagnosed with the most aggressive kind of breast cancer. And so in that moment, when the doctor said, you have cancer, my life changed. Just like that. Boom. And so I did what I had to do to get through cancer. But honestly, for the first six months, I didn't really know if I would still be here because that's just the kind of nature that this medical condition has. And so during those six months, every single day, I caught up and made this promise to myself that if I make it to the other side of cancer, I would do everything in my power to live the rest of my life, no matter how long it is or short it is, as meaningfully and joyously as possible. I would say it was this promise that I was making to myself, no one else really making this promise to myself every single day that kept me going through that very difficult and uncertain time. And then after about six, seven months, I made it to the other side of cancer. Yay! A gift I have never taken for granted because I understand that not everybody who's touched by cancer really makes it out alive. There is really no pun intended there. That's just the nature of this medical condition. And therefore, it doesn't really give us scope to be complacent and assume things. And so I made it to the other side of cancer and I'm so grateful for everyone who has been part of my journey. 
my doctors, my entire healthcare team, my family, my friends who have been there, and so many therapists, wellness professionals who made it their mission so that I could get back on my feet. It's been quite a journey and there are so many people who are responsible for first helping me survive cancer. That was the whole clinical aspect of it. And then helping me thrive after cancer. So it's been quite a journey and, and I've been on this journey for eight years now. It was my eighth cancer anniversary around three weeks ago. So I'm eight years old in the world of cancer. And it's been quite a journey that I've been on. So when I came out the other side of cancer, well, you know what? It was time for me to keep that promise to myself. Remember the whole living joyously and meaningfully, no matter how long or short my life is. And so it was, it was the time when I really thought about how do I really want my post-cancer life to look at. And one of the things that I decided to do was to take a long, hard look at my life. You know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And with the benefit of hindsight, when I look back at my pre-cancer life, I realized that it was a good life. I loved it how I knew it back then, but I didn't want that life anymore. I wanted different things from my life because of the experience that I had been through and was still going through, I had changed as a person. And so in my post-cancer life, one of the big decisions I took was to only focus on work that will bring me meaning and joy. And so I said, I'm going to step away from the corporate world. And I decided to set myself up as a coach because out of all the things that I used to do in my corporate life, coaching is what brought me maximum joy and meaning because it's truly, truly life transformational. And then the question was, but what on earth are you going to do as a coach? What are you going to focus on? What are you going to specialize on? And then that was another journey that I went on. And I reflected back and I thought about the times when I was growing up in India. Growing up in a highly patriarchal culture, as a girl, I used to always feel that I had to do more and be more to be seen and heard. Because that's how the culture of the country is. It's highly patriarchal. And so being seen and heard was always a challenge. And I'm not even one of the girls who were denied any opportunities. I had access to every possible opportunity while growing up. And yet it felt hard. I also remember the time when I had come out the other side of, the can of cancer. And I was very, very grateful. Very, very grateful. And yet in that moment, I felt absolutely rubbish inside me. Now that's the confusing bit, isn't it? You're very grateful and yet you feel rubbish inside yourself. And that was because in this period of less than a year, my life had changed completely. I had changed how I looked. I had changed what my body could do. I could do very little with my body. I was very poorly. Then my relationships had changed. I had changed emotionally, I changed mentally, 
And I had started asking myself all these big spiritual questions that people start asking when they have been touched by cancer. And my financial situation, my financial situation, let's say, was a big joke because I had to take a break from work. And because of all these changes that happened so quickly in such a short period of time, I just didn't know this new person I had become. I just didn't know this person who stared back at me every time I stood in front of a mirror. I just didn't know this person anymore. And because I didn't know this new person I had become, it hit my confidence completely completely knocked off my confidence. And so I did what somebody with very little confidence does. I went into hiding because, hey, that's the best way in which we can stay safe, isn't it? And when I went into hiding, that was the first experience I had when I stopped seeing and hearing myself. And it felt like an awfully hard place to be in. Because if I didn't see and hear myself, there was no chance that anyone else could see and hear me because, because I, I chose to become this invisible person. After everything I had been through, after coming out on the other side and despite all the gratitude that I had. So that, was, that played a huge, huge role in deciding what I would do next. I was also reminded of the experiences I had when I was growing up growing up in India. And, and one of the things that really did my head in was the solid caste system that we have in the society. And the way I interpret the caste system is because of where people are born, there are people who are considered bigger, better, worthier, higher up in the social hierarchy. And there are people who are considered lower, punier, unworthier in the social hierarchy. And there is this social dynamics that goes on. And it's not something that, that has been going on for days or weeks or months. It's been going on for generations, for centuries. And this difference has just stayed in different forms. And what I noticed was these people were saying to these people that, hey, we don't see and hear you. And these people had under, understood what their place was. And they would say, yeah, 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 don't look at us. Don't, don't see us. We know our place. And it was such a vicious circle. It is such a vicious circle. Other people not seeing other people and people not seeing themselves. So it's a feedback loop. It's a vicious loop that feeds itself. And I didn't need the brains of a genius to understand that this was wrong. This was plainly wrong. I remember as an 11-year-old, I had made the decision that this is a system I would not subscribe to. And I'm sure I had a different vocabulary then. I didn't use the words that I'm able to use now. But I could see that pegging people who are better or lesser based on where they are born is simply wrong. And so in my post-cancer life, when it was time for me to decide what I would do, as a coach, I said, this is what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to help people be seen and heard because when people are seen and heard by themselves and other people, they do what they've got to do. They stop staying hidden. They stop playing small and they make the choice 
to sparkle because I stand against the idea that people should go through the motions of life without being seen and heard. And so that's what I do now. I stepped away from the corporate world, left the job that I was doing, which I loved back then, and set myself up as a coach. And now I help people be seen and heard. And the tools that I use are storytelling and public speaking. So that's what I do, helping people be seen and heard. And that's why I say cancer was not a bump in the road for me. It was a fork in the road for me because I chose to change my life completely after cancer. So that's me. Wow. Like um, you've so briefly touched upon every, every speck in the road. Like, I mean, it is so, it, it, I'm pretty sure it, it would have been, some days would have been high. Some days would have been low. You would have gone through a lot at that point in time. Even you're speaking right now so freely about it. Um, could you tell us more about the treatment that you went through? Elaborate, yes, more likely. Okay. So, yes. So there was a very clear clinical and non-clinical side to my cancer journey. When I say clinical side, it was the typical diagnosis, which started with the eye finding a lump in my left breast. And as soon as I did that, I went and reported it to my doctor. And I said, look, I found a lump and I want to, I want it to be investigated further because, hey, if it is just a lump, if it is benign, that's what I want to hear. But if it is not, I need to know ASAP because I knew that lumps can be malignant. And, and I would say I was humble enough to understand that these things can happen to anyone. So I wasn't really complacent there, or, or I had, I would say, I had enough awareness. And, uh, and so I was immediately sent to a specialist, and that's where I got diagnosed. And so the first step for me was getting into chemo. I had uh, what I would call a pretty aggressive chemo treatment, aggressive in the sense that I got really poorly on the back of that chemo treatment, but I responded very well to that treatment. And the reason was that the cancer that I had was very aggressive and it was growing extremely fast and the doctors wanted to, to limit it its growth, control its growth. And that is why I went into chemo first. And uh, that went on for four and a half months. And after that, I went into surgery. I got away with a lumpectomy, didn't need a mastectomy, which was the initial expectation because I responded so well to chemo and the tumor had really shrunk in size. Then I went to went through radiation therapy and booster sessions. I also had a year-long Herceptin treatment. And because I was one of the younger patients, I was 34 when I was diagnosed, I also had a lot of hormonal treatment. And I have been on, on tamoxifen for the past just over seven years, and I'll be taking it for another three years. So this is the clinical side. It's, it's a pretty full-on treatment. And because of the treatment, intravenous treatment for 15 months and oral drugs after that the the body had so many side effects that we spent a pretty long time after that managing those side effects 
that had happened because of the treatment. So that's that's the clinical aspect. There was also a huge non-clinical aspect, and I would say it is the non-clinical aspect that helped me transform myself from a survivor into a thriver. The doctors and the healthcare team helped me survive. And honestly, none of that non-clinical things would have worked if I hadn't survived. I mean, it's, it's, it's common sense. But once I came out the other side of cancer, because of everything that had happened, the upheaval that had happened in my life, from that point getting to where I am, this, this person who's flourishing and who's helping other people flourish, there were lots of people who played a role. Some of those people are my family, my husband in particular, who was by my side every single step of the way. And um, I'm very grateful for that. My friends, lots of therapists. So there was a lot of physical therapy I took in terms of, for example, massage to manage pain. There was counseling that I took to make sense of what was going on, all the losses and all the secondary losses that cancer caused. And I also had access to a lot of coaching because, because after making peace with, with what had happened, then it was time for me to find my next steps. That's where coaching came, to, came, in, came in. And it really helped me understand what is it that I wanted to do in the future and and the whole decision about letting go of the previous life and finding a new life, well, it didn't happen overnight. You're right. I spent some time confused and not feeling good about myself, not, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life, finding myself in a very hard place because, hey, it was like learning to walk again. And it just felt very, very hard. But coaching is what really helped me take those baby steps. And gradually, I created a life for myself. And I now help other people flourish in their lives. It's just beautiful how you've taken something like cancer and transformed it into what it is, what you're doing today. Well, if if we really look at life, that's all we can do, isn't it? We can do, we can we can do the best that we know. We can look after ourselves and do what feels right to us according to what we know. And when something like this happens, well, we can't really control the events. We can take action and we can choose our response. I think, and I think that's where the power is, isn't it? Because, because cancer may have happened to me, but I could either choose to let it from my life yeah come to it if not physically then emotionally and mentally or I could do something about it and choose my response and and do what I have done you clearly have chosen what you have to (laughs) that's pretty sure you speak with so much power you speak with so much strength and courage you're like bring it on I can take anything now (laughs) <laughs> That's well, I do feel that way <laughs> <laughs> pretty brilliant brilliant feeling I know yeah <laughs> that that is good that is good um also coming to what stage this was in what stage were you diagnosed at 
stage as in the medical clinical the medical stage? Sta- the clinical stage, yes. Okay, so I was stage 2A. So it was, it was localized. There was no metastasis. And, uh, and I would say I was very, very lucky that I was diagnosed when I was diagnosed because when I was diagnosed, it was growing so fast that if I... have been very difficult for my doc- doctors to help me out. So I was stage 2A, but the grade was 3, which is the highest growing, the fastest growing kind of cancer. Right. And that is why I believe that being aware of cancer, building this awareness that you are doing, your organization is doing, it is so important because if I didn't have the basic awareness about cancer, when I had found that lump, I would have just sat with it. I wouldn't have gone into an investigation. I wouldn't have asked my doctor to check me out. And like I said, I was diagnosed at a point where I probably didn't have more than four, five, six weeks. It would have been very hard for my doctors if I if it was left for another month or so to help me out. And, and that is why I think initiatives like this, sharing the story or organizations like the one that that Senonco is, they are so powerful because that awareness results into helping people survive cancer. Thank you so much, Parul, for those kind words. It really means a lot to us. Uh, That is the intention. Yes, that really is the intention. But we're trying to spread what we're trying to make others aware and reach out to as many as we can. Tell them that cancer is curable. It isn't some kind of um, disease that lets you know that, okay, this is it. No, mm. you have the power, you have that control and you try to make it happen. That is the most that you can do. And sitting here, me talking from the side, I can only imagine what you have gone through. I can never say that I understand, right? I can only imagine. That is, that well, is... I would say empathy helps. Yes. But, <laughs> but yes, it is hard to really imagine when somebody hasn't been somebody hasn't been through a particular experience and i'm very happy that's how it is yes yes that that is exactly what i was trying to say you were talking about it actually goes into my next question <laughs> self-examination and early detection the importance of it could yeah. you please tell us how how you found yes. this out you were so uh, i mean you took care of yourself really well i think that is what made you get to that self uh, detection for yourself yeah yes yeah, so i would say there is there are a couple of things here one is definitely the clinical awareness aspect of it from from the point of view of if there is a lump you've got to go and get it checked that awareness i would say there is also this uh, personal component wherein i've never never assumed that bad things only happen to other people and and i would say i've i've done as best as i could to go through life as humbly as possible during the bad times well the bad times tend to humble us but even during the good times so when i found that lump and i knew it's it's important to to be aware of our bodies. When I found that lump, I didn't assume that this is something that happens to other people. This is something that we read in the media. It, no, 
I knew that I could be one of those people because either a lump would be cancerous or not cancerous. And, and I would say with that awareness and, and the resolve to take ownership for what I could do, I went in into that investigation. I, I set up that initial appointment with my doctor because just because there is a problem is just because there is a problem and we choose not to look at it because that's not what we want in life. It doesn't mean that the problem is going to go away. If there is a lump, I could either leave it and let it take, take its course of action, which unfortunately a lot of people do because they are scared of what they might find. Or I could take the matter in my own hands, play my role, be an active participant in whatever curveball life might throw at me. And it doesn't mean that I think only negative things. No, 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 no. There was a 50% chance that it would be all right. And that's what I wanted to hear. But if it wasn't, then I, I wanted to do what I could do. Like I, like I was sharing with you before, I could choose how I respond to it. So for some people, it might be denial, and I understand why they would do that. But for me, denial is not something that, that is my typical response to a situation. My typical response to a situation is, okay, let's deal with it. Great. And I would say that, yes. And I would say it's, it's, it's something that, uh, that's more of a habit, because that, that's part of my nurturing. So when there is a problem, some, instead of saying, Instead of asking, oh my God, how can I not look at this? I would say, okay, there's a problem or there could be a problem. What can I do about it? And it is something that we coaches say, if you want better answers in life, ask better questions. And so it is that habit of asking. Yes, it is that habit of asking better questions instead of saying, oh, what if this how can I know this and, and just get on with my life instead of asking that? I said, okay, what is going on and what can I do about it if it is not the right thing or it's not the good news for me? So, yeah, better questions lead to better answers. That's what yeah. I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, coming to my next question. <laughs> of course. Um, what do others viewers watching this what do you think they should expect while getting some a cancer like yours well i would say every cancer is different from what i know there are more than 200 kinds of cancer and even if somebody has exactly the same diagnosis clinically the chances are they would have a very different experience it's a full on experience don't kid yourself if you or your loved one has been diagnosed with cancer. There is a very clear clinical aspect to it. And what most people don't realize is the non-clinical support is what will help you bring in the quality of life. So when we talk about cancer, most people just view it or interpret it or understand it in terms of mortality of life. And I would say that's the most critical aspect because, hey, if somebody doesn't survive, then that's the, the end for them. And, and obviously, that's, that is 
that is a very unfortunate event. But with the, with the recent healthcare and the medical advancement, more and more people are surviving cancer. And therefore, it is really important to understand how to build that quality of life, how to rebuild your life after cancer. And therefore, things like counseling, things like coaching, things like physical therapy to get your physical strength back, they are very, very important. But I, I do think that people don't really understand the second side. But if they did, if they were to look into it, if they were to implement those things, they would, they would take away a lot of hardship out of their cancer experience. Definitely. I couldn't, we, we as an organization couldn't stress on this factor more. Yeah. Um, could we hear about your lifestyle, how it was before cancer, how it was during cancer, how it became after cancer? Yeah. Okay, so I would say I am somebody who has always looked after myself in terms of I was always conscious about what I ate. Now, I'm not somebody who would do diets or who would, uh, who would go crazy about uh, or paranoid about a certain lifestyle, but I had a pretty balanced lifestyle, cooking everything at home, cooking everything from the scratch. The typical Indian food that we eat and uh, and exercise regularly no smoking no drinking no meat in my diet no family history of cancer so i would say i, w- I was the first person in my family to have cancer and i didn't have any of the risks that are typically associated with cancer for example things like oh, being overweight or smoking or drinking or or certain foods that are that increase the risk so it was a pretty healthy lifestyle that I led. I looked after myself because I always understood the importance of self-care. But when I was going through cancer, obviously, I could do very little because my physical capacity had changed and even my mental capacity had changed. And one of the things that really helped me was making my health a complete priority because that was the best thing I could do for myself and for others, others as in my family and then for the rest of the world. Because, hey, if I'm not well, I'm not in a position to do anything for anyone else because you can only pour from a glass that has water. You can't pour from an empty glass, can you? And so I had to replenish my energy again. And that's what I did when when I was diagnosed and until I became strong again, which was a pretty long time. So I did very little for other people and I did everything for myself, looking after myself physically, mentally, emotionally, just did whatever I had to do. And obviously it was a case of building myself back up because one of the things that happened because of the treatment was I lost complete muscle strength just a small example. And so even though I was so poorly and uh, I could do very little, one of the ways in which I had to build myself up was going to the gym and doing heavy weight exercises, whatever I could lift then, because that's how I would rebuild my muscle strength and the bone density, because there was a lot of depletion in bone density. And making that trip and, and 
doing that exercise for half an hour or 40 minutes, it completely knocked me down, not for hours, but actually for days. And, but I would do it. And that's where the support from the family comes in because, because I could do so little for anyone else. So that was one. Swimming really helped me get my strength back because my body was very stiff and because the scar tissue was humongous. I'm somebody who had possibly every side effect that is written on that tiny leaflet that comes into the box. Yes. yes. The, the box, the medicine box. And you look at that leaflet and say, never going to happen. <laughs> the worst case scenario. But I had almost every side effect that was written there. So I would say it was a pretty intense response that I had to the entire treatment. So swimming was something that really helped me get my strength back because it is not a strenuous exercise. And and yes, and it was taking baby steps. So I started with swimming and did that for about six months, maybe a year before I could really lift the smallest weight in the gym and did that and built myself up from there. And I would say I had a lot of support. I didn't do it alone. So if whoever is watching this, if you want to do this alone, my best advice to you is please don't. There's a lot of help. There are people who are willing to help. There are people who are specialized to help. Why make things harder than they need to be? Exactly. That is the question. Yeah, because it's not that uh, if we do it alone, it it makes the process any worthier. No, it doesn't. It's just, it just feeds our ego and makes everything harder. So so get that help. There are enough number of professionals. There are enough number of people who, who are there to help you. And there are enough number of people who truly love you and care for you and would like to be there for you. Absolutely, absolutely. And to add to that, um, it's okay to ask for help. It's, it's okay to ask for help. Yes, I would like to emphasize that point, especially, especially for people from my country, the Indian community, because people ask for help from their friends and family, which is great, but they are not professionals. Cancer is not a joke. And if you have been touched by it, unfortunately, you know it already. Look for professional help. And it is just going to make everything a lot easier for you. And if you're worried about that uh, financial investment, yes, obviously, there's going to be financial investment. And there is going to be effort that you will have to put put in. Because if you don't play that role actively, no one can do it for you. I mean, I had support, but they couldn't do it for me. But you know what? That investment gets recovered so quickly because if we don't make that investment, we would be in that lull for so much longer. You can go back to work quickly. You can find that joy again. You, you, can, you can actually start living again. And there is no price that you can place on that. Because it is your health. There is nothing that Because it beyond. is your health. It's your life. It's your quality of life. And when I say quality of life, I'm not really talking about prognosis here. It's, it's not about how much time we have got left, but 
I'm talking about what we do with that time, how much, how much ever it is. We, we, can, we can spend that time miserably and poorly, feeling poorly, or we can take ownership and find joy and meaning and quality of life. And that's a choice. And that's, that's a choice that I'm talking about. Right, right. Um, coming to my next question, uh, what was your reaction when you first got those reports that said, okay, now I am cancer free? <laughs> it was a very strange moment. I, I remember that my husband Abhishek and I had uh, gone in to see the doctor who had looked after me and uh, our life had been so much in upheaval for whatever number of months that when those results came in and he gave us those results during that meeting, it was more a case of just quiet, just quiet. We were just quiet for some time. <laughs> we also Sorry. understood that uh, we also understood that there is no official all clear yeah. in cancer. Exactly. It's just no evidence of disease. And it is something that uh, that brings in that uncertainty and fear. So we absorbed that information when he said, oh, this is what clinically he delivered the results to us. And, and I remember asking him, so what does that mean? And asked him more probing questions. And then my next question was, okay, so can you tell me what can I do? What can I do? to reduce my chances of a recurrence. I had always been this person, what can I do about this situation? <laughs> yeah. that, was, that felt like the next step. But okay. yes, there was no dramatic, oh, I've got the all clear. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like you said, very strange moment. Yeah, it was a very quiet moment because it had been such a full-on intense journey that uh, when we got the results, obviously the term all clear wasn't used and it was explained to us in a very clinical, factually correct way. We just wanted to understand what it meant because cancer has been had been a very... <laughs> intense journey from from the point of view of learning new things medically so we just wanted to know more about it so so yes that traumatic thing didn't really happen all clear no <laughs> yeah um today you wake up with so much gratitude you've become this completely new person it's like a new beginning to so many things like you said you look used to look in the mirror and you couldn't figure out who this person is um, you've embraced that person though from the way you're yeah. talking you've really embraced that, that personality you've become and I think to a large extent you like the person you've become you oh, really I have. love the person I <laughs> I love the person I am <laughs> yeah. and if there are things that uh, that I feel are not serving me then I do something about them and it's a constant journey that I am on and I would say this this journey started because I had cancer. I, I was always somebody who was, uh, who was conscious of 
personal development and I thought I was looking after myself and learning new things. But, but cancer is what really set me on the path of personal transformation. And, and yes, I've embraced the person I've become because, because I think that's really, really important to find that joy and meaning in our life. I mean, it's not something that we can find externally. We have to first go within and find these things inside ourselves. And it has taken me a while. It has taken me a while. And I had a lot of help as well. So it's been quite a journey, but, but it's been a very enlightening journey. That is the word, enlightening. <laughs> right. So um, what would your message be? out to everybody watching this, viewers who include patients, survivors, caregivers, doctors, everyone. What does is, what is Parul have to say? Words of wisdom in maybe a sentence or two. Yeah. Oh, I would like to say that. But before I share my key message with you, I want to put in a word for carers here. Because yeah. when somebody is touched by cancer, one person who gets completely ignored is their primary carer. Yes. And as a coach, I work with, with people and uh, I've helped people navigate cancer more effectively. And I know that when somebody, and, and even as a cancer patient and survivor, I understand that the entire focus is on the person who's going through it, but it is not easy for the people who are looking after them. So have that kindness and empathy towards those people as well. And carers, caregivers, please look after yourselves. Because if you break down, you will be no good to that person anyway. And, and cancer is traumatic, not just for the patient, but also for their care, caregiver. The fears are different. And the way those fears and those uncertainties show up are different, but they are equally valid. For example, a cancer patient may worry about what if I die? What if my life ends? And their carer, their primary family member might worry about what if they die and I'm left behind? So it's, it's the same situation. We are talking about loss through mortality, but both the fears are equally valid. So don't ignore your carers because they are very, very precious. They are the people who look after us and carers, please don't ignore yourself because cancer isn't easy for anyone. And it's, it's no way easier for carers than they are for, their, for the patients. So that's something I wanted to say directly to everybody who's looking after their loved ones. And now responding to the question that you asked me, asked me Nadia, what is one thing that I would say to anybody who's watching this? I would say that events can happen to us and cancer is an event. It's, it's an event none of us would choose for ourselves or for our family members or for anyone in the world, really. If, if I had a choice, I would choose a world without cancer. But you know what? That's not my choice to make. But what I can choose is how I respond to it. And you have that power too. Cancer may have happened to you or your loved one, but you can choose how you respond to it. And that is what is your superpower. So don't let it go waste. Make use of it. Wow. 
That is such a beautiful message being put out there. I wish everyone had this positivity that you're beaming with today. Your your cheeks are glowing and I can see it right till here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's very sweet. <laughs> anyway, um that is that is definitely one thing everybody needs to keep in mind that we can do this and through programs like this we we're trying to encourage everybody to spread that positivity to spread that awareness and make mm. people understand that cancer can be cured it can be cured the times we're living we're so lucky to be at such times where research has proved these things to us haven't there yeah yes i i would uh, interpret that statement with a slight pinch of salt because we cannot assume that it can be cured i mean we've got to understand the the clinical aspect of it but yes far more people are surviving cancer now than they were surviving before and i think that's that's Perfect. a great place to be in that's be a great it. piece of news and Absolutely. we've just got to understand but but never can we assume that uh, that we wouldn't be that person who wouldn't get it or who wouldn't get it again so it's really important to be aware of facts not get caught up in the trauma mm. or or misinformation and do your bit because hey better take ownership and look after yourself then then not do it simple <laughs> yeah yes better take ownership yes that is yeah. that is the thing thank you so much parul thank you so much for being with us on today's sharing session it is such a pleasure talking to you i had such a nice time sharing these thoughts with you sharing these questions with you and again let me just say this it is really a big thing that you have done to be able to have that strength and courage to take control of these things you had no idea how it was going to turn out but you still made that fight that is that is that is what matters yeah. and that is what yeah, i want to put out that's what i could do yes. yes that is what we are trying to let everybody know that that intention that okay fine right now i may not know how the future would go but i will do everything in i in my control to make sure that i take care yeah. of myself right parul you were saying you had a book that you had written about could you tell us more about this book about your journey that you have really documented Yes. I'm very happy to talk about my book. So when I went through cancer, I documented my entire experience and it started as a personal diary, I would say a personal journal, essentially because I couldn't sleep during the nights because of insomnia and and pain that chemo had caused. And so I started filling in my time by documenting my journey. but eventually it became so much bigger and it took the shape of this book a published book my cancer journey a rendezvous with myself and i call it a rendezvous with myself because cancer was the experience that gave me an opportunity to find the person who i had lost under all the conditioning all the stories that i had acquired and it was a real opportunity for me to really peel off all those layers just how we peel off layers of of an onion and find that person again so that's what that's what this book is about 
the biggest reason or the key reasons why I chose to write about this book is one, to build awareness about cancer, because I truly believe that in the case of cancer, being aware is is the key to survival. It can be a very important component. In my case, if I hadn't been diagnosed for another four to six weeks, my doctors would have found it very difficult to help me. I probably wouldn't have been sitting here today and having this conversation with you. So to build awareness about cancer. The second thing is to inspire people going through cancer, whether they are patients or whether they are family members. There aren't enough case studies that are about survivorship or positive case studies or really getting an insight into a personal story of what it is like to go through and come out the other side. Not the clinical aspect of it, well, but what is it like to go through that experience? Because when somebody is going through cancer or when somebody's loved one is going through cancer, it can be a very isolating and a very lonely journey. And it's a very painful journey to be on. And therefore, if you can read a story that is able to give you hope for another day to take the next step, to take the next action you've got to take, that might be the only glimpse of hope you have in your life. So helping people who are who have been unfortunately touched by cancer to inspire them was the second thing. And the third reason was very specific to to the world I grew up in. There are countries, and I would say India is one of them, and I'm naming India because I'm from India. There, There are places in the world, not just India, but other countries as well, where cancer still has a lot of stigma and taboo. And people don't talk about cancer in the open when somebody gets diagnosed, I know, So many people, they just go into hiding. They don't talk about cancer in the open. I lived for 32 years of my life in India, and I had never interacted with a cancer patient, a real cancer patient in my life. And that wasn't because cancer doesn't happen where I lived and grew grew up, but that was because people didn't talk about it in the open. And I wanted to do something about that taboo, that stigma, that judgment. And I said, instead of being one of those people who choose to stay quiet and contribute to the problem, I want to do something about this problem. And I decided to document my story and publish it so that I can start challenging that taboo and and that stigma that happens not only in my part of the world, but in many other countries, unfortunately. Nadia, I'm very happy to share with you that this book has helped thousands of people all over the world. So that's my journey, my cancer journey, a rendezvous with myself. Beautiful, beautiful how you've documented everything in a book. And that too, it started off being a normal diary, journaling. Journaling yes. is one of one of the best ways to cope with the situation. It, yes. it helps you get everything out. Wow, wow. This is so inspirational. It really is. And definitely it's gonna it's definitely going to help so many people out there. Not just by reading it, by seeing this video, by knowing that no, there is a person who's gone through this and I can do this too. That is the yeah, and I can be that person. If I can do it, you can do it too. That is that is exactly what we are trying to get through to everybody here. If I can do it, you can do it.
<laughs> thank you so much for thanks a lot it's been such a pleasure thank you <laughs>